Welcome to the Parable Podcast, where we look at common biblical characters in a whole new light. I'm your host, Marina, and with this podcast, my goal is to help you, listener, find the Bible more interesting than all those social media pages that you stalk on a daily basis. I'll attempt to do that by giving biblical characters a little bit more context than they currently have, and maybe you'll be able to relate to them in a way that you haven't in the past. So we'll begin this week where we left off last week, or I guess two weeks ago, sorry, the story of Mary Magdalene, and I'm going to continue to let her tell it. Where was I? Prostitute, saved from being stoned, uh, Jesus' friends with my family. Ah, yes, I was following Jesus wherever he went. Like I said, he became really close with my family and I, and he would even come over to visit us to take a break from being followed for a while. It took a lot out of him to be the center of attention all the time. And I cherished every minute I got to be with him. I followed him wherever he was going. Going to Galilee? Yeah, I'm coming with you. Going across the sea? Sure thing. I guess you could say I was his number one groupie. Hmm. Nice ring to it. A few months after I decided to follow Jesus full time, My brother Lazarus got terribly sick really quickly. We're not really sure what he had still, but it happened very fast. So fast that in fact, when I left Jesus and rushed back to Bethany to help Martha take care of him, he was already on his way to death. Well, I just said to Martha, We're pretty lucky that we know the Son of God and he's actually a close friend of ours, aren't we? She said, well, we sent word to Jesus a few days ago and he still hasn't come. I know if he can get here before Laz gets worse, he'll definitely be healed. Oh, he'll definitely come. I have been following him for a few months now and he lives up to the hype a thousand percent. We don't even have to worry about this. So Martha and I, we held on to that hope. Family members and neighbors would all stop by to visit Lazarus, and we would meet them with excitement and peace and even joy. They were so confused. But we told them all about our friend Jesus and how he was coming to heal Lazarus. It was a lot of bragging. Weeks went by, and Lazarus only got worse. In fact, he got so much worse that he died. Jesus didn't come. The day Lazarus died was one of the most conflicting days of my entire life. I knew that Jesus loved Lazarus and my family. I knew that Jesus was aware of Lazarus dying. I knew that Jesus was the Son of God and he had the power to heal Lazarus. What I didn't know was why he didn't. I was lost in the days after my brother died. I lost my hope. 
Maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Maybe he was just a random guy that was super charismatic and used delusions to persuade people to follow him. I knew that wasn't true. Of course he was who he said he was. It was just that... I've messed up so many times that he can't help me. My thoughts lingered on the years that I spent only looking out for myself, not caring if I hurt anyone along the way. My focus was always on me. 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 Well, maybe this was me having to face the consequences of my actions. Maybe my brother had to suffer and die because I couldn't get it together. Preparing my brother's body for the funeral was my responsibility. Cleaning him up from head to toe, placing the expensive oils on him so it would preserve his body a little bit longer, wrapping him in the shrewd, that was all me. Martha took charge of all the logistics and the people. His grave was large and covered with a huge rock. So many people loved Laz. We couldn't have a small funeral. It had to at least be 500 people. The services and rituals went on for days. But then, exactly four days after the burial, when Martha and I were just starting to get rid of all the hired weepers, guess who showed up? It was Jesus. I looked at him. I wanted to yell, I wanted to scream, I wanted to say something, but I knew I couldn't blame him for not coming when it was me. I had done so much wrong that he couldn't help me. This was the punishment I deserved. So I didn't say a word. I just looked at him. But that didn't stop Martha from yelling. Four days. Four days. Four days. If you had only come four days ago, Jesus, if you would come, he would still be here. My baby brother would still be alive. My baby brother would still be alive if you had only come. My baby brother would be alive. He looked at her with so much sympathy in his eyes, and he wrapped his arms around Martha and said, Your brother will live again, Martha. Do you believe in me? She answered, Of course I do. I know Lazarus will be raised again on the resurrection day. It just hurts right now. He let go of Martha, and he made eye contact with me again. My original plan was to stay quiet, but I could tell by the way he looked at me that he knew exactly what I was thinking. So I gave up. Tearfully, I said, If you were here, you could have saved him. He didn't hug me, though. Instead, he held my gaze and started crying. That broke me. 
I fell to my knees before him and I sobbed. This was a let everything go sob. My doubt, my fears, my self-hatred, all of that bundled up inside of me. But this time I wasn't alone. Jesus was crying with me. I moved him to tears. We stayed there for a moment, just crying together. Then he said, take me to his grave. So I did. I thought, oh, it's sweet that he wants to pay his respects. When we arrived at the grave, Jesus made a very bold request. Move the stone away. I kid you not, Martha turned completely green. She whisper shouted at Jesus. He's been in there for four days. Not even the best oils would prevent him from smelling awful. Are you sure you want the stone removed? Jesus replied, I thought you said you believed in me. With a little bit of a coy smile. I think I saw it. And then, Lazarus, come out. Just like that. Lazarus come out. Like he wasn't speaking to a guy who'd been dead for four days. But nevertheless, everyone grew silent, waiting in anticipation what was going to happen. I'd been hyping up Jesus for weeks, saying that he was going to come and heal Lazarus. So this was on the table. Then we all heard a small scraping sound. Then a tiny plunk. And then a huge groan. All came from inside of my dead brother's grave. The crowd around us started whispering and some even started running away. But Martha and I, we stayed still. Then out came my brother. Still wrapped up in the shroud and doing a shuffle kind of hop situation towards Jesus. Lazarus? Martha cried. <laughs> he replied. I ran over and unraveled the shroud that I had placed on my dead brother only four days ago. It was him. He was alive. The sickness was gone. He was radiant and smiling. Martha and I could not stop crying and holding him and kissing him and telling him how much we loved him. When I took a second to breathe, I turned around to catch Jesus' face. He was probably beaming with joy, and I needed him to know how much I appreciated this gift. I wanted him to see that I would never doubt him again. But he was already gone. After Jesus saved my brother, my love for him swelled up like a fresh bee sting in the spring. I was basically attached to his heels at this point, hanging on to every word he said like a leech who hadn't eaten in weeks. It was probably obsessive, but I didn't care. I loved him. 
but not that mushy-gushy, pawning love. It was a deep-seated love, like I would die for him in a heartbeat, that kind of love. Everywhere Jesus went, he had an audience, and it was usually a pretty large audience. But front and center, soaking up every story, every metaphor, every lesson, there I was. In the middle of all the thought-provoking parables and deep object lessons, Jesus would constantly mention that he was going to die. More accurately, that he was going to be murdered. At first, I was like, uh, morbid much? But he kept mentioning it, so I thought maybe it's a metaphor. Until one day, he literally said verbatim, I'm going to die soon, but three days after I die, I will rise again. My reaction was appropriately a loud gasp. Imagine with me, I'm in the middle of this humongous crowd of people who are smiling and quietly admiring a speaker. And then, (laughs) my huge gasp of shock and disbelief cuts through the silence. He just said he was going to die, though. That warrants gasping. No one else was reacting. They were all just staring at me like I had a problem. Even his disciples seemed annoyed that I would interrupt him. So I calmly just sat down and began preparing mentally for Jesus to die. What did that even mean? He just raised my brother from the dead. A person who can control death wouldn't choose to die, right? But by this point, I knew that when Jesus said something, he meant it. Now, I have to remind you at this point, I basically had nothing. I sold almost everything I had and began following Jesus. And I didn't miss it. I was actually the happiest I've ever been having nothing. But I wanted to let Jesus know that I heard him and I trusted him and that he meant the world to me. So I had an idea for a gift, but it required quite a bit of money. I went home to Bethany to gather up everything I had left. It still wasn't going to be enough. So I asked Martha and Laz to donate a little bit of money. And let's be real, Lazarus kind of owed me for the funeral and the grave that he didn't end up using. So with our money combined, I was able to scarf up about a year's salary. It's pretty decent. All of this money went to my gift for Jesus. I bought him the most expensive oil that I could find and placed it in this rich marble stone case that they called alabaster. I knew exactly where he would be. Lazarus and Jesus were invited to Simon's house for a meal. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and Simon had been healed from leprosy. It was like Jesus' victory lap dinner. Only very important people were invited to this dinner, so I knew it would be the perfect place to offer Jesus my gift. I practically skipped to Simon's house, whirling with excitement. I knocked firmly on the door and was greeted by none other than a former client of mine. Great, 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 great. He gazed down at me in disgust when he pieced together how he knew me. Why are you here, girl? He said. This is an exclusive dinner. We cannot taint the experience by allowing someone of your stature in here. 
And there went the excitement. I was in shock. I said, um, I, uh, um, my brother is Lazarus and he's the special guest tonight. That's all I could think of to say. He rolled his eyes and he began to close the door. Wait, just ask him. Tell him Mary is outside and she wants to see him. Or just ask Jesus. He's my friend. He'll tell you. Before I could completely finish my sentence, I was slapped across the face with so much force that I stumbled to the ground. How dare you speak his name? You are too filthy for his name to be on your lips. Go on your way, girl. Wait, stop! I screamed. I just want to see Jesus, please. No, he yelled. My fussing must have been disturbing because a few of the other guests came outside to see what was going on. I sat on the ground, holding my alabaster case, aching from the warmth of the welt that was quickly rising on my cheek. Then a voice I recognized said, That's Lazarus's sister. Are you a fool? Let her in. It was John, one of Jesus's followers. He helped me up and brushed the dirt off of my arms and legs, and then he escorted me through the front door. There I was, in the room. I thought about boldly striding up to Jesus and offering my gift to him, but the looks I received from the guests in the back reminded me that I was not welcome there. The phrase, you are too filthy for his name to even be on your lips, invaded my brain in a vicious cycle. Maybe I could make it through without anyone noticing? I placed my tunic above my head and tried to blend in with the servers. I avoided eye contact and swerved and swiveled until I finally made it to Jesus. I crawled underneath his table and knelt at his feet. My gift to Jesus was oil. Just like when I prepared my brother's body for the grave and covered it in oil, I was prepared to do the same for Jesus. The purpose of placing oil on a body before burial was to preserve the body of the deceased for a little longer. The decay would happen just a bit slower than it normally would. Jesus often spoke of his death, and I wanted to preserve him for a little longer. I wanted to keep him here with me. It was symbolic, but I wanted him to know that I heard him and I believed him. I opened the jar and I started pouring out oil on Jesus' feet. I thought of everything we had been through together, how he saved me from being killed, how he raised my brother from the dead, how he looked into my eyes and saw my soul, how he cried with me. Before I could stop it, my tears betrayed me and started hitting his feet. I tried to quickly wipe his feet with my hair, but the tears wouldn't stop. Then, what is that smell? Someone said from a few feet away. Yikes. I should have thought about the fact that everyone could probably smell the oil. Anyway, I was quickly exposed. 
But I just continue to place the oil on Jesus, on his head, on his neck. There were so many whispers and murmurs. Isn't that? Is she trying to seduce him? She does not belong here. If he knew who she was, he would not let her touch him. That last one came from the host himself, Simon. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Just continue to focus on Jesus, Mary. He understands. Then I heard the voice of one of Jesus' own disciples saying, Why would she waste so much money on such an expensive oil? That money could have gone to the treasury. I mean the needy. I flipped. He's right, I thought. Jesus would have probably preferred for me to give the money to the hungry instead of using it to buy this expensive oil. Oh, this is humiliating. I need to get out. I panicked. I was going to make a run for it, but then... Why do you bother her? Leave her alone. She is giving me a gift. She is preparing my body for my burial. The poor and needy have always been here and will continue to be here after I'm gone. You have me for only a short period of time. She chose to use her time to give me gifts and show me her appreciation. Simon, when I entered your house, you didn't give me water to wash my feet, but here is a woman who washes my feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. And yes, I know she was a prostitute, but she asked me to forgive her and I did. Apparently, those who do not feel a need to be forgiven express very little gratitude. Then he said to me, don't be embarrassed. I know what you're doing and I really appreciate it, Mary. And yep, you guessed it, waterworks. Was I always crying? He understood me. He stood up for me. He embraced me. And my oil did not go to waste. Not long after the dinner, Jesus was murdered, just like he said he would be. And I was there for all of it. It was truly terrible. But guess what? I was also the first one to discover that he was missing from his tomb, too. Just like he said he would be. He spoke to me before he even went back to heaven. I was the one that got to tell everyone that he had risen. I will never forget that every time I wanted to hide, he found my eyes from across the room and comforted me with just one look. Every time I felt unworthy of his love, he embraced me in his arms and told me I was more precious than riches. Every time I felt dirty, he told me that I was forgiven and he had already forgotten about it. Every time I cried, he was right there, crying with me. I've never felt worthless again. Well, 
that's all for this episode. I hope that this podcast makes you a little bit more interested in the Word of God. Until next time, guys, keep on praying. Thank you.